comfort in that song. Y'all, it's good good to be here. It's good to see each of you. Thank y'all for coming. Um, I know many of y'all had a long, long road to get here, and so we do appreciate it. Um, we hate it that Brother Ben is sick. Um, he was, bless his heart, last night. He's like, if, I'm, if I wake up feeling like a million bucks, I'll come. He was still running a fever last night. I said, like, you, you need to rest, brother. <laughs> so y'all be praying that he feels raring to go for Sunday morning at their home church there at Flint River. Um, but we are, we're grateful to be here. We're grateful the Lord has uh, sent some visiting elders to be here. We're going to pray he does that all three services. <laughs> I gave Brother Terry a heads up that Brother Ben was feeling under the weather. And so just come armed. And so we're glad that he's here. We're going to call on him to preach. Is there anything we need to remember um, before we go to Lord in prayer? Remember, Brother Jay Rich. Amen. Amen. Well, all minds are at peace, and Brother Thad, will you lead us in the word of prayer? Yes. Can you do it right here, Oliver? Right there is fine. Thank you. Our most kind, gracious, heavenly, and holy Father, we thank you for the privilege tonight, a great blessing of thee to be able to assemble ourselves together for the purpose of worship. Mm. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us to sing the hymns of praise together. We thank you, Lord, that we're able to be up and about, and we pray for all of those everywhere that are not able, in the rest homes, in the hospitals, wherever the condition is, oh God, we ask in a decessive way if it be in keeping with our will, we pray for health and healing. Mm -hmm. Oh Lord, we remember the little ones especially that are in foreign countries in warring circumstances. We ask, oh God, in a manner and a way that seemeth good in thy sight to help again as it seemeth good in thy sight. We thank you, Lord, for being able to be here tonight in this place of worship. As the brother come and pre and comes and preaches for us, if he preaches, O oh God, help us to remember it's thy power that brings forth the gospel. Yes. We pray, O oh Lord, that we that listen would be able to gather in the wanderings of our minds from the world around about us and center our thoughts on Christ Jesus, mm. our Lord. Help us, we pray, O oh Lord, to be able to go forward in this life as you give it to us in a manner and in a way that's good and right in thy sight. Again, Holy Father, we ask for all everywhere that feel the need of thee. We ask for this little band of baptized believers and their friends here at Fair Haven, that they would be able to come forth in a worshipful capacity always as they come together for that reason. What we would ask for at Fair Haven we would ask for all everywhere that feel a great need of thee. Help us, we ask again, O oh Lord, to pray for the preacher now as he comes and pray for ourselves that we would be able <coughs> to pray and listen together. This we ask in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen. 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 Terry Heron from Mars Hill in Hoboken. Consider yourself at home. All the time you need. This is a single story building, so like Mars, uh, not like Paul, no one's going to fall. Uh, so just take your time and we'll stay awake. 
He had a clock still back there. That's all right. That's just a suggestion. Once in a while, you'd need to go somewhere else and preach. Get out hard. That's your cardio. My, you get home, you get kind of used. You're kind of in your routine, and you don't, your heart don't get beaten like it is right now. But anyway, I do feel at home here. I love y'all. Good to be here. It's not my first time here, but y'all know who I am, and uh, I love the Lord. Uh, I want to say one thing, and he ain't paid me, and he ain't offered me to preach if I'd say this, but I'm going to say it. Y'all got a godly man for a pastor. Amen. Uh, I love him. He's a dear brother in the Lord, and I want to confess, we went to Atlanta and were riding on there, and I did not realize how young that he is. <laughs> he has got wisdom way above his years. He is, uh, God has blessed him with sound mind and, and a lot of wisdom. Uh, let's, let's go back to Lord prayer just a second. Father God, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we just ask you to be with us. Lord, you know, it's left up to me. I can make a mess out of anything, Lord. Lord, just prepare these minds and hearts now and their ears. And Lord, just give me the words you would have me to share. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Got your Bibles I want to turn. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And I'm probably going to tell my conclusion at the head. We'll probably get that done. And then, But what I was, I was thinking about, the promises of God. Do we do we stand upon the promises of God? Do we do, the promises realized through faith? Do we do, we do that? You know, what do you think about? It? <clears throat> if you don't get nothing nothing else out of the message tonight, remember this thing right here: that anybody that's ever that is or ever will inhabit the kingdom of heaven is going to get there by Jesus Christ. There's no other way. He was in the old times, the now times, and the new times, the future times. Jesus is the only way. After all, he said in Matthew chapter 14, verse 6, that he was. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come unto the Father but by him. We live in a time that going, this is amazing. Friday night. We, we live in a time where going to church is about as, unpopular as I've ever seen it. You know, people, they got used to you planned everything else around church, and now you plan the church. If I ain't got nothing else to do, right. uh, I, I might go to church Sunday. But I look, I think on it as a honor and a privilege to come to his house mm -hmm. and be with my brothers and my sisters and lift up songs of praise. And, 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 and if the people pray real hard, maybe a preacher can share a few words with us and, and tell us. But thinking about the promises of God, Matthew 1, 21, Jesus said, For he shall save his people. Amen. He shall save his people uh, from their sins. You know, he, he said he would try, he shall save his people from their sins. Uh, best word. Remember this. The best word that's probably ever been spoken by Jesus, and he spoke a lot of good ones when he was hanging on the cross and he said it is finished mm -hmm. he didn't say I've done my part now and y'all get home you do yours he didn't say that he said it is finished he had done all that the father had given him to do Amen. you know all, 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 all are saved 
looking towards the cross. All those that come before Jesus came on this world and hung on that cross, they was, if they had salvation, they had salvation to looking forward to the coming of the Messiah and the coming of him being hung on that cross. Those that were living at that time, they, 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 they got salvation, it was looking towards the cross and looking towards Jesus. And us today, it's looking back to that cross. He died. He didn't die for some of our sins. People, people, people let things, and we've all done things we ain't proud of. We've all done things we're glad some people don't know about them, especially our mamas, you know. we all glad. Nothing. But Jesus died for all our sins, the big ones, the little ones, and all of them. And he cast them as far as the east. i got to get to the th subject here, I know. But, but he cast them as far as the east is from the west. Why we want to drag them back up and, and re run back over them, and, I mean, <coughs> anyway, uh, but but thinking about thinking about the promises, the promises of God, the promises that God had made to Abraham. You know, to, before we go any further, I want to talk about this a minute to get into our, our text. I mean, there's a lot going on. We hear a lot. There's a lot of people that are not really dedicated church people are talking about Israel now. And what's going on over there in Israel and Hamas? Now, a very uneducated person would say, "Well, it looked like Hamas stuck their finger in a hornet's nest, and now the hornets are stinging, and they want to get mad, and they want help. They want everybody to go help them." But I, I don't know about all that. You know, um, you know, it has a lot of people's attention. Uh, my grandson called me the other night on Sunday night, two or three weeks ago, and said. What you think about over in Israel? I said, I don't really know. You know. I don't understand all that I need to know. He said, we need to pray for him. I said, you're right. And we got a flagpole at our house and a flagpole at his house. We fly the American flag first and we fly different things up under it. Sometimes I said, he said, I want you to get me a flag of Israel flag. I want to fly. He said, we need to support those people. You know, uh, you think about Israel. I'm not no... Uh, end time preacher. I don't understand all that. I do know part of it. I do know Jesus is coming again. Amen. He's coming again. And, you know, I don't know how exactly what order that's all going to happen, but I know he's coming again to gather all his people together. The dead in Christ shall rise first. They ain't going to have them old sick bodies and broke bones and all that and wheelchairs. They're going to have a glorified body, and those that are alive are going to be called up. To, and gonna be, we're going to be in heaven forever with God. And there won't be no need for them. I mean, anyway, uh, no son and all that. But, you know, if you know, is there going to be another... Uh, is there going to be another dispensation to Israel? Is there going to be another? You know, I don't know. I, I do know this. If they get to heaven, it's by the shed blood of Jesus. There's no other way. God ain't going to make it special for them. It's all by His Son. And no other way. You know, there's no other way. Uh, you know, we think about in Ephesians, and I know I said chapter 4 Romans, and we're going to get there. You think about in Ephesians, and you can see from the graveyard to the throne room there. I mean, you can see that he was dead in trespasses and sins, and but you go on over about verse 8. <coughs> For by grace are you saved through faith and not yourself. It's a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You know, it's a, a, a gift. 
It's a gift. You know, Primitive Baptists, we are blessed. We are blessed people. We believe the simplest thing there is. I didn't have to get pretty enough. I didn't have to get smart enough. I didn't have to learn this Bible because I never will learn it all. He lets me know what he wants me to know when he lets me know when he wants to do it. You know, but it's all God. It ain't God plus nothing. It's all it's all about God. You know, uh, it's, it's just look at Romans chapter 4, starting at verse 13. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. Hey, them of old law ain't never got nobody to heaven. It ain't never, because that's man. That's what man can do. Anyway, let me read this. Uh, uh, heir of this world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs of faith, it the, the heirs of faith, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. The promise, the promise that God made to Abraham, that he would be, would have a, uh, uh, he would be the father of many nations. He would be, you know, uh, let's look just a minute and, and hold your finger there. And then Jen, uh, somebody told me they didn't like to turn a lot in their Bible because they didn't have one arm, but forgive me. Uh, uh, Genesis chapter 12, it says, And I will make thee a great nation. He's talking, God talking. To Abraham and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed and in 15 uh, Genesis 15 starting in verse 3 and Abraham said behold to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars, If Tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted unto him for righteousness. That's the promise that God made Abraham. A lot of problems we got today, and this is just, this is opinion, this ain't Bible, is that Abraham was wife, Sarah, got tired of waiting on God, and he give her his hand, and Abraham wasn't man enough to stand up and do what was right. And they raised up a son named Ishmael, the handmaiden in her. But God was that wasn't the heir that God had promised. That wasn't that wasn't the one that God was talking about. He was talking about that, that Abraham and Sarah would have a child, and uh, you know, and would be be a father of a great nation. Uh, verse fifteen, back over in Romans. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. And what he's saying, the promise was by faith, by faith, by, by believing, by, you know, and God gave Abraham the, the ability to believe. And because, but the law, 
worketh wrath. Law ain't no, I mean, worketh wrath. For there is no law. Where there's no law, there is no transgression. But look in verse 16. 16 on down is kind of where, you know, it's therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace. Now listen to that again now. Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us. Therefore, therefore, is it a faith that it might be by grace. What's that mean? I sound like some of my talking sometimes. It is by faith. You know, therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. Now, either the promise of being heir, heir of the world, or the promise of the inheritance itself, or or the, or the, the promise of being adopted, uh, the adoption which makes one of heir. You know, think about it. we've been think, go, go read in, in Romans chapter eight how we've been adopted into the family of God and we become heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs. I mean, we're going you know joint heirs with Christ or 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 or, uh, or the remission of our sins. You know, think of think or the blessing of justification either and all of these are of faith all these come by faith faith not as the cause or the condition of them but as the means of God fixing mean of God fixing and appointing pointing to be the recipient of all and each of them which is done that it might be by grace. By grace are you saved. God gives you the ability to believe. If you believe, we ought to be thankful for that ability to believe. God, you can't just go to bed with, well, I wake up in the morning, I'm going to start believing. It don't work that way. God's got to give you the ability. The lost world out there, that brother Wise preached here one night about blessed are the chosen. You know, he said that those that are not chosen, they don't even realize they ain't chosen because the things of God are foolishness unto them. But but for those that are, are chosen, you know, but by, he, he gives us that ability to believe. Do you believe in God? You can, there's all kind of things out there now that people believe in. They come up with their own concoction. It's whatever makes you feel good. You know, there's churches out there. Just come as you are. You can stay as you are. Just come and be with us, you know. But we don't believe that way. We believe if God gives you that ability to believe, he gives you that desire to walk in a fa in after him and to follow him and, and, and live a way that is, that is glorifying to him and, 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 and showing the world what Jesus would have us to do, living a life that's pleasing unto him. You know, not the cause, you know, not the cause or the condition of them, but as a means of God's fixing and appointing to be the recipient of all, appear to be of the free grace and favor of God. It must be by grace since faith itself is a gift of God's grace. He gives us that by his grace, by his grace, 
Now, what if you got what you deserve? I don't want what I deserve. I don't want it. I don't want it. You know what the biggest, you know, people you know, people don't realize. I had a work with a fellow for several years. I can tell you right now, he was in church last Sunday. Not at my church, but he was in church, and I thank God for that. But he told, why are you so excited about going to church? Why are you talking about going to church all the time? He said, we're just going to live a while. They're going to put us in a box. They're going to put us in a hole, and we're going to rot in the rooms, eat us. But he found out different. But that ain't all there is. Every person in this world is going to live forever. But there's drastic difference in them places where them two places where they go live. You either go you it, by the grace of God. If you have been given that ability to believe, you have been called out of darkness into that marvelous light. You're gonna live eternity in heaven with God, and 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 be there, be heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. There ain't gonna be no need for no sun and no moon, cause the glory of God will be shining so bright we will see. There won't be no more sickness no more. But those that have not the grace of God has not shed upon, they're gonna live forever. But they go in a place that will be forever dark, forever dark. But you know the worst part, the biggest thing, what well, the best thing about heaven to me, besides being with God, besides seeing God and being in God's presence forever, is there won't be no more sin nature. We won't have to fight this old man no more. We won't have to get get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus, you know. But but the people that don't go to heaven, they're going to live in darkness forever dying and never able to die. But they're going to be eternally separated from God. Eternally. So the way I look at it, if God's give you that ability to believe, we of all people ought to be the happiest people in the world. Amen. Because he, he had brought us out of darkness into that marvelous life. He's prepared a place for us. Now, I, I got all silent about five years ago about retiring, but I, he's got a retirement plan better than any plan ever been in this world. It's out of this world, that retirement plan. You can't beat God. You It ain't nothing. No, hey, I could, people will tell you all kind of things. People will tell you in this world what you want to hear. But I'm fixing to tell you something that's the truth. Jesus is the only one that can take you from death unto life. Just like he had victory over the grave through his shed blood, we can have victory over the grave too. Verse 17 says, As it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations before him, whom he believed even God, which quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope and he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was a hundred, I ain't making this up now, y'all listen, a hundred years old and neither the deadness of his wife. I have people say, how, how could good God save somebody like me? And I know they're heading in the right direction because they realize how sinful they are. That's the first step in realizing it. You, I mean, before God starts changing that heart, and change, I mean, some people, it's like right here. Some of us, it's a process. 
You know, we realize that we're lost and undone. We realize that we're in need of a Savior. We realize we in need of something that no man can give us. We realize we, we, we need something that we can't con contrive up on our own doings and all that. We know we need a Savior. And God gives us that ability in the one true and living God. I even read somewhere over in Africa, there's a group of people that worship chickens. I said, well, the Baptists don't do that. They just like to eat them. They sure don't worship them. You know, we like fried chicken. You can, they, this people believe all come, but if you've been led to believe in the God, the only true and living God, and that he loved all that he chosen, that, that, that he sent his son, he loved them enough that he sent his son to come down into this world. And hey, think about this just a minute. You know, we all know we're going to die one day. I mean, it's pointed out a man wants to die. We don't know what we're going to go through before we get to heaven. And if you do, you're different than me. I don't want to know. But Jesus left the very portals of heaven because he loved each one that the Father had given him. And that didn't surprise him that they hung him on a tree. That didn't surprise him that they spit upon him and hit him. It didn't surprise him. He knew what he was getting into. And he still loved us enough that he did that. You know, and if you've been given that ability to believe on the only true and living God and His Son, Jesus Christ, you know, I know Baptists ain't supposed to Baptists, you ain't supposed to dance, but that just about make you want to do the hallelujah shuffle. I mean, I mean, that, that is, I mean, what was dead is now alive. The grave could not hold Him. He took the sting of death away. He took the victory away from the grave. Anyway, uh, verse 20. Uh, he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. You know, do you believe? God has given him that ability to believe. God has given you that. But he staggered not, even though he was 100 years old. If God can give a 100-year-old man and a woman about 99 that were way past a child, a youngin', he can do anything. God don't try to do that. I try. Yeah. You know, I told Brother Johnson, I'm going to try to be there. But I don't know. I mean, I could, anything could happen. God ain't never tried to do nothing. He just does whatever he chooses to do. You know, he don't make promises he don't keep. He's kept every promise that he's ever made. And when Jesus said, I shall save my people from their sins, he did that. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a successful Savior that's done whatever he set out to do. And he, and he said, and when he said it is finished, it was done. It was over. It was over. It was settled. Anyway, and being fully persuaded, verse 21, that what he had promised, he was able to perform. That's what separates man from God. What he has promised, he is able to perform. He's able. He's able. The God that we, we serve, an able God. We serve a God that is able to do whatever he promised. <coughs> you know, even when we don't understand how, even when we don't even see a way, our God is the way maker. He'll make a way. He'll make a way. He'll change the hardest heart. You know, he, can, he, he is able. You know, he's the way maker. God does not try. He does. You know, he does. Verse 22, And therefore it was imputed to him 
for righteousness. By the finished work of Jesus on that cross, we're not saved by our righteousness. We're saved by His righteousness. It ain't what I have done. It is what He has done. You know, Brother Isaiah told us in Isaiah what my righteousness was good for. It was just like an old dirty rag. It wasn't good. It would be thrown out. But the righteousness through the finished work of Christ, that righteousness of God's only Son is imputed into, is put into each child of grace. You know, and tell me we shouldn't be happy. You know, and therefore it was imputed unto him for grace because it was right. Resting on the promises of God. Resting on the finished work of Christ. Resting on the fact that the grave couldn't hold him. Resting. Yeah. He, they did not take Pilate knew he shouldn't do that because his wife come here and told sometimes you listen to your wife I know we can't do it all the time I, I don't look at me like that you know you get in trouble but sometimes we need to but he, he give them every way out in the world you know he, he, he said well you got the offer with that one free they thought sure they'd pick Christ because he knew he hadn't done nothing wrong but they didn't take Christ's life he freely gave his life in obedience to the Father he gave his life they put him in the grave. Now think back. There's several places there. You know, Jairus' daughter. Jesus rose from the grave. I like old Lazarus. Poor Lazarus, he had to die twice. You know, and man, they want to kill him after he had rose because they wanted to shut him up. Because, you know, but it, how did he come from the grave? Did he just wake up inside to come forth? No. Jesus had to holler. Lazarus, he didn't have to do that. He done that word them people could hear. He could, you know, when, when God said in the beginning that He created it, only reason He said that is where it could be wrote down. He did. God can just think it, and it would happen. But He hollered that day, Lazarus, come forth. What did Lazarus do? He woke up. Don't, don't you? Don't, four days. Now his sister said, "Surely he stinketh by now." But you imagine what he was seeing. Didn't he was a Jesus, don't do this. You know, but his time, it wasn't his time. And he come forth because Jesus called him. Who called Jesus from the grave? No one. He freely went to the cross. He freely went to the grave. And because he is God, he is God in the flesh, he rose from the grave. And through his resurrection, we got victory over that grave. Because, because, is right. resting on the promises of God and relying not on my power, not on your power, but relying upon God's power and faithfulness to perform. He's always done what he said to do. Now, if I was like some people and I thought I had to do something in order to have salvation, I don't know about y'all, some of y'all pretty good people. I reckon some of y'all real good people. Some of y'all ain't never made as many messes as I have. You know, but I've made some. You know, when I used to make them messes, I get out there on my thinking goes over, then I get in a mess, I have to pray, let God get me out of where I should have prayed to start with, God direct me where you want me to go. But, you know, God don't make mistakes. Uh He don't He don't make errors. Uh He 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 and relying on His power. And it's, but but if I was one of them that believed that I had to do something, when I laid down at night, 
I'd be running through my head, you know, and I'd be thinking, you know, these people that think you can be saved and unsaved, I, I, I don't know how, I don't know what you've done to got saved, but I don't know how much you got to do to be unsaved, you know. I'd be wondering, and did I, did I shake that preacher's hand right? Did I fill out the card right? You know, well, he, he did duck me all the way. He did submerge me. That's a good thing. But, did I, you know, but you know something? I could go home tonight after about an hour and a half ride, and I could lay down, and I could sleep, because I know that Jesus has done it all. It is finished. There's nothing left for me to do. I'm standing upon that promise. My future is in His hands. It's not in What did He tell us in, in John chapter 10? Now, Jesus, this is paraphrased in my I don't know y'all done turned enough, flipping and all that. But Jesus said, each child of grace that He's given me, they're in my hand. And my hand is in the Father's hand. And no man can pluck them out. That'll get you sleep good too. And no man. And you talk about no man, that's including you. Yeah. You know, if you're talking about losing your salvation, you know, you, you can't lose something you didn't do nothing to get. I mean, anyway. Standing upon the promises of God and relying upon His power, the power of God, the power that created everything that we know, that created the universe, He created us. We're a little special, I think, as a human being. He said he created us in his own image. But why did he create us? Some people have a hard time with this. They think it's to drink all the beer in the world, to have all the fun, do this or do that, you know. But God created you in his image to bring glory and honor to him, to praise him, to worship him, to serve him. You know, that's why he says, forsake not to assemble thyself together, you know, encouraging one another. There's a lot more goes on on Sunday morning and, and, and just drinking coffee. You know, and I had to get there and make coffee before everybody gets there. But there's a lot more. You see in one another. We cry with one another in sad times. We, we celebrate with one another and happy. We encourage one another. We encourage one another. Sister Sarah, Brother Jay's wife sent me a text earlier today. I didn't see it till I got here. And she was telling that sometimes it just gets so hard. They feel like giving up. Don't give up. Don't give up. We got his, his iron level increment. Hang on. Hang on to the promises. Don't give up. You know, Jesus, God, then with COVID, all that crazy mess going on, you didn't know which way to turn or what to do. People quit going to church and all this. But I told God is still on the throne. He's still there. Ain't nobody took his place. And Jesus is at his right hand making the intercession for us. He's still there. We can rest on it. We can, we can, we, you know, we can, we can bet the bank on it. I mean, whatever, however you want to say it. Verse 23, he said, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed. He told me it was not written for Abraham's sake, did it? Who was it written for? It was written for us. Yeah. You know, y'all ain't going to remember much that I tell y'all tonight. That's just the way our minds work, you know. Uh, y'all gonna remember that Jesus is the only way you're gonna get to heaven you're gonna remember that God does whatever he chooses you know <laughs> but God uses our ability some better there's some men Brother Ronald Lawrence I don't understand that I mean he can get there and preach for three days and not never look at his Bible you know and I got to, and I got to look regular but God knows that we need to read it over and over again 
That's why he recorded it for us. That's why it's here. There's three things. Three things that we need to be thankful for every day, every moment. One is that he loves us enough that he made a way for us, that he sent his son into this world, that we could have everlasting life, that we can go from death unto life. Number two, and have a relationship with God. To have a relationship with God. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That means you could have, if you love me, love one another, I mean, keep my commandments. I mean, but, but I've seen something else today. Um, and that's in 1415 of John. 1514 of John says, um, Ye, this is Jesus talking, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. You want to be a friend of Jesus? You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. You hey, do what he tells us to do. Amen. You know, it's kind of simple. If you love me, you know, wife said, and she walked the bathroom and I can say, well, I want to. Yeah. But uh, if you love me, you're going to do that for me. Well, oh, Jesus said, if you, I mean, I can tell you I love you all day long, but you can show me a lot more. You know, if you love me, keep my commandments. Hey, you do what I do. We, we, can, we can have a personal relationship with God. Be, let me tell you that this story I heard yesterday. I, I practiced it on Sherry Cummings. You know, like, this little boy, this is back in the old days when kids played with boxes and paper bags and spools, thread spools, and they played with medicine bottles and things. They didn't have all these newfangled toys they got now to make medicine. Oh, y'all going your house won't never be clean again. You get that grand young. They have scattered stuff and you don't really care. Plus the grand young. But anyway, young and she said, I don't care. Mama said, I don't care how often you play with toys, just put them up when you get through. Well, they got time for in the practice piano. And he got up, went and practiced on the piano, left all his toys scattered out there. Well, his mama come in there and said, why didn't you clean your toys up? Mama, I'm practicing the piano, but why didn't you clean? It was a Christian home. He said, Mama, I'm playing hymns. I'm playing songs to Jesus. She said, Jesus don't want to hear them songs because you're disobedient. You didn't get your toys up. So if you want your relationship right with God, live a life of obedience to God. If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Uh, 20, 23, it says, Before it is not written for his sake alone that it was imputed unto him, but for us also. Oh, I'm going to tell you all three things. I didn't tell you but one. First is salvation. But number two, part of that is that relationship. But number two, he gave us the Bible. He wrote it down for us. And I can read it over and over and over again. And I don't know about you. Wait, we blessed. Four things. We blessed because you know what? There ain't no more tabernacle. That tabernacle been tore down. That temple now, that Holy Spirit resides in us. It resides in us. And when we read it alone, if he wants us to know something, he'll teach us something. You know, even a hard-headed fellow, he'll teach like me. You know, he'll open it up to you <coughs> Is that always been there? You know, yes, it's always been there. But we've been blessed. You know, we have been, here's a word, some primitive bad man, I don't want to, but we have been, had the anointing of that Holy Spirit. Yeah. We've been filled with that Holy Spirit. Now let him, let, 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 let him drive. You know, we want, we want to, you know, take, we want to take back, we want to pull back on the rope a little bit sometimes. You know, I, I, I told him one time, you know, you know, uh, 
Let them drive. Don't put them in the passenger seat. But Ricky, you know, we easing along there. We trying to get back in our old way of life. Cause we got him over in the passenger seat. Now we got four door trucks, and we got him in the back seat. And it is a him. It ain't a it. You know, the Holy Spirit. If you ain't careful, you got him back there in the toolbox directly. Let him have control of your life. I can promise you, it will be much sweeter and better. It will be better. You know why I say that? Because he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you want the love? You want to feel the love of God every day to know that you, you know, anyway. But, it was written, but for, uh, oh, what did I say? One, two, oh, there's another one. Have you ever thought about what he's done for us? You know, talk about relationship. But have you ever thought about the privilege of being able to pray to Almighty God? I started keeping up the prayer request on my phone. Try to make it a little easier. And I'll tell you, and people don't ever come to church call on a prayer request, and that's all right. But they can pray just like you can, but somebody have a hard time understanding that, you know. There ain't no veil up no more. But think about God. 24-7, around the world, people are praying. you got the privilege of being able to get on your knees and talk to the one that made you and talk to the one that made the world. Talk to the one that put the sun. That, you know, they ain't never had to change the batteries in the sun. You know, everything else in the house, I had to keep batteries in the truck always. But you know that? Hey, the one that you, you can talk to. You can, and, and don't make it be a Walmart shopping list all the time or wants and her knees. You know, just tell him, Jesus, God, I love you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you that you give a desire in my heart to go and go to church. Thank you, Lord, that you give me a desire to tell somebody else about you. Thank you, Lord, that you saved my soul and made me whole. Thank you, Lord, that you took me from death unto life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We've got so much to be thankful for. That's what he's done for us. Anyway, we've got to finish up. But, but for us also, it was written, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Do you believe on him? Do you believe on Jesus' Father? Now, if y'all understand, I do know there's one God, and I do know there's three parts of that God. There's God the Father, excuse me. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. But then things kind of, <clears throat> they get lapped over sometimes. You know. Kind of gets, you know. Jesus, God's only begotten Son, he was fully God and he was fully man. It tells us in the fourth chapter of Hebrews that he's been through anything we've been through. He's been hungry. You know, he's been thirsty. He's been tired. A storm blazing on the boat and he's back there sleeping. You know, they woke him up and all he said, peace be still, you know. That's God. Oh, how great he is. great he is raised him from the dead raised him from the dead 
Don't you imagine, you know, you think about Jairus' daughter, Lazarus, the, the widow woman's son, that was all right. And he probably done more. That's just what was wrote down. You know. Yeah, we got a dear friend that's a funeral home man. I asked him one day, I said, if Jesus showed up, you better get nervous. Because he's fixing you ain't gonna get that money. You know, if the man rises from the dead. But that's the kind of God that we serve. No more tears, no more sickness. Yeah. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed if if we believe on him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead we done said that you just don't decide to believe you've been given that ability to believe we're not saved because we believe we are saved we, we believe because we've been saved he's called us out of that darkness he gave us hope when there wasn't no hope. He changed her want to her. He said, hey, make you want to come to church on Friday night. Mm-hmm. He, he did, I said it way, he didn't hear me. Uh, some of y'all that like football, this is the first night of the co- high school playoffs tonight. It don't matter. I'd rather talk about Jesus. You know. Do you believe? You ought to thank God. Who has? Who was? Let's, let's, let's be 24 again. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord. I like that. Can you call him our Lord? Can you call him your Lord? Do you know him personally? Raise up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses. Say what? He was delivered. Hey. He that knew no sin became sin for us. For what I have done, Jesus was hung on the cross. Jesus hung on the cross. Jesus, he was fully man, but except one thing, he never knew no sin. He was tempted and didn't sin. I can't say that for myself, you know, because he was the perfect man who was delivered for he took our place. He took our place. He stepped in for us. We should have been one that was hung on that cross. <coughs> you know, he came into his own, his own received him not. He knew no sin. <coughs> but they hung him on that cross. Delivered for our offenses. Delivered. For our offenses. Romans 10 9. People want to throw that up at you sometime. Read that. <coughs> Read that a minute. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that the Lord Jesus, confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. God does the saving. God does the saving. You confess. You confess because you've been saved. You know what? Let's talk just a minute. And I'm, I'm facing to get through. I know y'all getting tired. You know what that verse means? That means if you will confess, if you have been given that ability to believe, and you are a child of God. If you will confess His name, you can enjoy that salvation here and now. <coughs> 
You ain't got to wait till you get to heaven. It is that's, that's your salvation now. That's your earthly salvation, your time salvation. Confess it. Tell the world. Hey, I, I, you get you know you're young. You worry about what somebody else thinks. But now I don't reach the point. I really don't care. You know, you go down to the store in the morning, they all be standing around talking about the bulldogs and this. And I like bulldogs, I mean. But talking about this, that, and the other, you know, they start talking about Jesus. There are a few that stay and talk with you. But this, this crowd's going to thin out in a hurry. But what better thing to talk about? What better thing? For God has raised him from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. Here and now. Enjoy your salvation here and now. Enjoy what God has done. It ain't going to affect you. It ain't going to count that against you. You're still going to heaven. But enjoy being a child of God now. You know, I think about the 40th Psalm. He said, he lifted me up out of that miry clay and he put my feet upon that solid rock. What was the solid rock? It was Jesus. And he changed my want to her. It'll make you want to go to church on Friday night. It'll make you want to come back in the morning. You know, it, that's all that'll do. You know, um, think about it. Set my feet upon that solid rock. You know, change your want to her. Change your want to her. 2 Corinthians 5.25 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. No sin where we could have everlasting, everlasting life, everlasting, raised again from the dead, from death unto life. That's what he's done for us. By his own power, we serve a powerful God, a great God, a mighty God. Not only did he give you your first breath, but he'll take that Last one away when that time comes. Right before the end of the Civil War, Robert E. Lee said he didn't want to do nothing no more and get on Traveler's horse and ride up there to the front and let somebody shoot him. He was ready, but he said, that's not God, that ain't the duty God has given me. You know what the first thing, and this ain't got nothing to do with what the first thing he asked Grant for when they was negotiating the surrender of Appomattox? Feed my men. Please feed my men. They hungry. They hungry. No one killed Jesus. He gave himself. Having finished the work he had undertook and came about, but for our justification. He saved by grace, through faith, justified, put in right stand. You know what justification means in, in simple Hobokinese language? <laughs> it's just as if you never sinned. When God looks upon you as a child of grace, all he sees is the finished work of Christ. He died instead of his people. And by dying, brought forgiveness for our sins. All our sins, past, present, and future. None are too big or none is too small. He rose again as our head and representative and was legally discharged, acquitted, and justified they in him. It is finished. Thank God. Thank God.
Christ's resurrection did not procure the justification of people, they were done by his obedience unto death, by his doing what God has sent them here to do. But was but was for the justification of it, testif- testification of it, that Christ might live and see his righteousness imputed and applied to all that the Father had given him. Ah, y'all all tired? I know this ain't a funeral, but this is all mine. I'll read this and shut up. Second Corinthians, First Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 55. O death, where is our sting? O grave, where is our victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are victorious. But that don't quit there. A lot of times we read that at a funeral and we stop there. It don't quit there. Read that next verse. Go read that next verse with me. I promise I'll shut up. And sing that next verse. It says, therefore, being that God, Jesus done all this and God's done all this and he loves us just to send his only begotten son into the world. Therefore, my beloved brethren, and I'll add sister, brethren means all of us. My beloved brethren, be you steadfast. That means keep up, stay up, stay on it. Be steadfast. Don't quit. Jesus didn't quit. He didn't give up. Be steadfast. Unmovable. Unmovable. Remember, it ain't what we done, it's what he done. Be unmovable. You know. Be unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What's that mean in simple language? Like Brother Paul said in the third chapter of Philippians, press on. Press on to the mark of that high calling. Come on, brother, I'm through. We have some great and precious promises. When we're down and discouraged, that's what we're not focusing on. We're looking at the storm, we're looking at the things that we can't see and understand, but he's bigger than that. Um, mentioned our solid rock. That's what our hope is based on. And this rock will weather every storm. There's nothing this world can throw at it. So I I rejoice in the message. I I hope um, that this is something you can sink your teeth into, not just for this moment, but to take it and run with it. You have a God worthy of trusting. To trust and obey. Right? Didn't say understand me and then obey. <laughs> trust. <laughs> no. I'd like you to stand and sing number 197, the Solid Rock. Set the doors of the church are open. If anyone wants to drive to this spot, you can to walk through our city. Number 197. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness.
564. Before we sing that one, Brother Philip, will you lead us in a word of prayer? Indeed, O Lord, we rejoice in the name of Jesus. Mm. For his name's sake, we are here this day. O Lord, we owe all that we have and can ever hope for his precious blood. Dear Lord, we thank you this opportunity to, to, to be here in fellowship and to rejoice and worship with the, all these wonderful people. But Lord, we know that there are many that are suffering, many that are in special need. But Lord, we trust that our sufficient, that your grace is sufficient for all. Lord, we ask you to be in this service as we go forward. And Lord, we might feel the special outpouring of your spirit. And the Lord, that hearts might be touched. And uh, minds might be converted and dear Lord that we might be convicted to of our, our sins and turn to the deserving great and peace that we have in the past. We sing us in Jesus' name. Amen. How can I
And let you do 568 and we'll come ahead and let you leave 43 for us. 568. 568. I serve the risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along my narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to Oh. 
arrested. Um, brother Chris come. Um, I'll continue to remember Brother Dan Winslet. He he wanted to be here. He was so disappointed about not being able to. He, he ran a fever for, I think, two or three days straight. So um, bless his heart. Even if he was feeling good, to drive six hours and then try and preach three services after being sick is rough. I um, also remember my wife and baby girl. They had another rough night. The uh, little one is quite sick. Um, so, man, I'm very disappointed that she couldn't be here. So she extends her, her love to each of you. Thank you all again for coming. Um, it, is a, it is an encouragement to see your faces. Um, you, you don't know uh, what simple acts of showing up and, and loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, what, it, what an encouragement it is. I mean, the Lord knew what he was doing when he designed this church, right? Um, and to have us to edify one another, to grow up in truth and love. Um, these are good things, and so thank y'all for making the effort to be here this morning. Um, I'm not Brother Pete. Lead us in the word of prayer, and then Brother Chris, you just make yourself at home. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the beautiful day that you have given us. A day, Lord, to come and to worship you, to hear your word, to help, Lord, to, to influence our lives, we just ask, dear Lord, for open ears and a, and a soft heart. Help us all, Lord, to receive the word spoken today. Help us all, Lord, to follow after you as closely as possible. Be with all those, Lord, that are not able to be here. Be with Megan and Jonathan's small child, Lord. And help them, help them get better and to get over all the sickness that they're in. We just ask, dear Lord, that uh, whatever trials people are going through, that, that you would be there. And we know, Lord, that you will be there. We just thank you for that blessing. And we just thank you, Lord, for, the, for everything that you do in our lives on a daily basis. We ask, Lord, now that you would be with this preacher who is about to speak. Give him the words that we need to hear so that we may be better edifying your word and your soul. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Chris Olson from Zion Prairie Baptist Church in Brunswick. You have not been praying for him yet this morning. Go ahead and start now. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lucy. Appreciate you. Good morning. Good morning. I do desire an interest in your prayers this morning, and I would like to uh, just uh, invite you to our annual meeting coming up in January, second weekend in January. I believe that's the 9th and 10th. Uh, we will be uh, trying to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth on that day, uh, or night and day, and we certainly hope you will take an opportunity and come and be with us. 13th uh, and 4th. It's the 13th and 4th, the second, second Sunday, Saturday before. Mm -hmm. Okay. The only thing I, I remember about the dates was that it always falls near my anniversary. My <laughs> wife and I were married on January the 12th, and so it falls on our anniversary, or near it. So we don't get to go anywhere or plan anything other than being in church for that. And for guys, that's a really good thing because we stay out of trouble that way. But I happen to get myself into a bunch of it as it stands. Um, I've been in, and I've told your pastor, I've been in, in John chapter 6 for about four weeks now, trying to preach from that just very clear and open text. Uh, and 
focusing on uh, the discourse of the bread of life is what that has been. One, one thing I came to realize in, in studying this chapter again uh, is Jesus is very clear about how we obtain salvation. And you know that. I'm not going to re, uh, review any or give you anything new. The Lord is clear on what eternal salvation is all about in those middle verses right in there that helped me when I was studying scripture and trying to understand some of the doctrines of grace was tremendous for me. It's just so simple. It's laid out and just true. But we also see it in Exodus chapter 16. And I want to get a couple of verses from Exodus because one of the things that we've been talking about at Zion there in Brunswick over the last uh, several months is the central theme of the entirety of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, it is Jesus Christ. That is the central theme of it all. And if you can't see Christ in the Old Testament, you need to read it a little again and read it with a little bit more prayer and, and, and you know, before you go into it, ask the Lord to open your mind. Because it all points to Jesus. Everything of the Gospels, tells us about Jesus, everything that God wants us to know, he shows us in those four Gospels. And then in the writings of the apostles, what do we see? We see it pointing back to Jesus and what he's accomplished and what's to come. Revelation teaches us, I believe, a victory which is already won. We just haven't experienced it yet, but we will. So, a couple things. In Exodus chapter 16, I'd like for you to consider verse 13 for just a moment. And it says, And it came to pass that at evening the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. Okay, so here's the picture. And I understand here at Fairhaven that y'all been uh, in, in numbers and y'all been talking about quail here recently, right? All right, so I want, uh, again, I'm not trying to... to uh, tell you anything new. This is what the scripture says, and this is pointed out to me, uh, just jumped out at me over time, is this is teaching us of God's sovereign work. That's obvious, is it not? But I want you to make a, 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 a correlation here. It says that, and it came to pass that at the evening the quails came up and covered the camp. Covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay round about the host. Five miles away, if there was a caravan passing by, they didn't get quail nor manna. The quail covered the encampment of Israel. And nowhere else. And, and the, the dew that lay on the ground every morning and turned to hoarfrost, or what was become known as manna, every single day except the Sabbath day. It accumulated every single day. It didn't matter where they traveled to. They could, they could be somewhere for two or three months, pack it up, move 50 miles away, and guess what? It was still there. It followed them everywhere. That only happened the sustaining <laughs> love of God the sustaining life bread only applied 
to Israel. Nobody else. Again, caravan five miles away could be passing by, no manna and no quail. Period. If that's not appointing to election, I don't know what is. If that doesn't point, and we'll later see, uh, in Lord willing, that pointing to that bread being there every morning, that is the sustaining bread that Jesus references as himself, that this is a representation of him. Okay? With background, good. Everybody got anything? Okay. All right. So, now over to John chapter 6. I'm not going to start at the very beginning of the discourse on the bread, but I'm going to start at verse 30, and we're going to move around. I'll, I'll, I'll try to come back to some verses as I'm building the points here. One of the things we need to keep in mind is that God was the one who sustained Israel in the desert mm-hmm. for 40 years. Mm-hmm. He sustained them. That means, oh, and here's the other point you meant to make, that the quail was a God answering the desires of their heart, right? You know, remember the discourse, oh, we loathe this angel food. I mean, how, oh, wow. I mean, you know, we, we loathe this stuff. And he says, okay, you want meat? I'm going to give you meat. I'm going to give you so much meat, it's going to come out your nostrils. Be careful what you desire. Because the Lord just may give it to you in ways that you're not ready for. Okay, so here's the discourse. These Jews that are talking to Jesus, and Jesus talking with them, in verse 30, he says, They said therefore unto him, What sign shewest thou then, that we may see and believe thee, what what dost thou work? Again, show us a sign. They were always wanting to see a sign. Jesus said the only sign you're going to get is the one of Noah. I mean, not Noah. Uh, what's his name? Jonah. Jonah. Yeah, the guy in the whale. Great fish, depending on which verse you read. All right? So here's the, here's the thing. They've just seen him feed 5,000 men with bread and a little bit of bread or fish. Right. Just saw it. What else you want to see? <laughs> but look. Here's the mindset, and please try to try to grasp this because I think it'll help clear make make these scriptures more more dear to you and and more clear to you. Not saying that you that you don't get it, but I think it'll help open some blinds uh, for you. They said in verse 31, "Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat." important fact here that if you're not careful you will just read right through it and make an assumption that in verse 31 where it says he gave them bread from heaven to eat who do you think that he was talking or they were talking about they were talking about Moses they were talking about Moses but Moses did not come down from heaven what came down from heaven The manna came down from heaven. Look how Jesus responds to this. He says, uh, 
Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. He's, now he's connecting again. He is connecting himself as the bread of life to what happened in the desert. He's connecting that. He's making this, and he spends the remainder, or the bulk of the remainder of this chapter reiterating that over and over and over again. So pay attention, because this is good stuff. I love it. When I, when I, when I was, got back in, I've been away from this particular chapter. Like I said, it's one of my favorites, and, and because it helped clear up so much when I was studying, trying to un understand some of the doctrines of grace. And I've been away from it for a while. And I've come back, oh, it's just like, it's just like new. Uh, anyway, I get a little exuberant sometimes. <laughs> Jesus said, for the bread of God, notice what he, the bread of God. Now he's saying, not the bread of Moses. He's not alluding to Moses. And Jesus is not dissing Moses. Moses was an important prophet we might say character in the storyline throughout Scripture. Very important, but he's not God. That's right. God worked through Moses, right? But it was God that did the work. It said, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Now, what world can he possibly re reference? And I know you know the answer to this, but why? That's why I said, remember that the quail did what? They were only in the encampment, right? And then the manna was, it was only around the host or the encampment. It was only there. That's the world that you have to take under consideration. What that represents, that represents the elect of God. Because they have been freed from bondage. All of the elect of God is freed from bondage. I ought to get an amen out of that. Amen. <laughs> if I have to drag it out of everybody, I'm just, just kidding. So we have this, and it pulls. It, it, it's, he's, he's, again, connecting him to that that occurred in Exodus 16. With that being said, that word world, you know it. If you look it up in the Greek, it's what? Cosmos, right? And that, by definition, from the Greek definition of the word, means orderly arrangement. Now, if that's not orderly arrangement, I don't know what is. Okay? So it's the same with the elect of God. There's an order to the arrangement. God did that work. God did that work. 34. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. See, there, do you really think, when we get... A few verses in, he's going to say, if you're not eating you know, my flesh and drinking my blood, there's no life in you. He's going to say that in, in, in another verse. Do you really think that Jesus was telling them that they had to physically consume his body? No. No. I mean, anybody with a reasonable thought process will understand that's not what he means. It's a picture. It's a type and shadow what, do, what does it mean? We'll get to that. He says, but I say unto you, I'm sorry, uh, 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. 
He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So he says he's the bread of life. What is it that has life? Any creature that breathes air, right? We'll just we'll we'll keep it to land-based animals, <laughs> just for that matter. But if, if if you and I we're breathing, we stop breathing over four minutes, we're dead. There's no life in us, right? I've never seen a person that has passed from this world sit up from a casket and say, "You know, I'm hungry." Yep. <laughs> never. Never. I don't think I want to, <laughs> but never have. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. What do you come to him to do? You come to him to eat because he said he's the bread of life. You want to consume him. How do you consume Jesus? He tells you. He says, he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now you go back, and you, if you go a chapter or two before in Exodus 14, 15, somewhere right along there, there was that sour water that God made sweet. Mm -hmm. Referencing that too. Guess what? Points right to Jesus. Points right to Jesus. That which was sour, God made sweet. And then we see the bread come on the scene. Now Jesus has put these things together. Dead men and women, dead people do not thirst. Dead men and women do not hunger, period. Period. So unless there is spiritual life there, an individual cannot thirst after or hunger after the things that are spiritual, which are the things of God, Christ, the love of God to seek after Christ, to, to understand him, to, to have the love grow deeper in an individual for Christ and what he has done for us. It's not possible. So I would say this to you now, that Jesus is not conveying to these individuals he's talking to how to get saved. What he is conveying to them is how to enter into God's rest. Why did Israel not get to go into land flowing with milk and honey? Now, the story, if we go into detail, is because we sent some spies over there. Ten of them came back and said, we can't do it. Yep. Two of them came back and said, the houses are already built. The, the farmland's already been, you know, it's, there's crops over there. Yep. There's vineyards over there. All we got to do is go get it. Israel forgot the promise that God had made to them through Abraham that he was going to make them a great nation, and he had a place for them. And it was Canaan. But they saw with their eyes and not listened with their heart. So they ran. They could not enter into God's rest. And what Jesus is conveying here is how to enter into God's rest. As you feed on him, you quench your thirst by him, and you believe his promise. And his promises of the resurrection. Yeah. That there, there's coming a day. We are going to leave. Unless the Lord returns, every one of us are going to go the road of Adam. We're going to die. Unless the Lord returns first. But the promise of Jesus is that there is a resurrection and he's going to come and take us home. Amen. 
That's entering into God's rest where you're not fighting, if you will, or working <coughs> works of righteousness to try to get into heaven. Jesus said in, I believe it was the fifth chapter, he says, you search the scriptures thinking you can find eternal life in them. But they speak of me. That it's Christ that is that that is eternal life. So we'll go on. But I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. He said, you've seen, I just fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children that were there, with a couple of pieces of bread and a couple of fish. And there was stuff left over. And everybody was full. But you don't believe? All that the, and here we go. These are the verses that probably most of us know by heart, right? Quote these in your sleep. <clears throat> All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Who's going to come to him? The representation that we saw of the Israelites, they'd have been freed from bondage. If we have been freed from the spiritual bondage of death, hell, and the grave, and he is... He, by his blood, has overcome our sins to present us righteous before the, the, the throne master, God himself. That's going to be every one of them. Just like he fed every one of the Israelites that were in the encampment while they were in the desert. He not only sustained them with the manna, but he gave them the desires of their heart too with the quail. So, so this is all without the loss of one. He's not going to miss one. He's not going to, that, that 100th sheep, he's going to leave the 99 and go get that one and bring them back. That's not going to happen. Jesus is going to get us all. That's right. Every air of grace. And it's not that that one sheep that wandered off, it wasn't that Jesus didn't know where he was. He just wandered off. <laughs> you think about it. If, if you if you ever had that a time in your life, and I certainly have, and and, and, and many times they come and go, I, I kind of look at it as, as uh, walking in the kingdom and then out of the kingdom. Not from an eternal standpoint, but yeah. that's where the joy and happiness is and the rest is, is when you're in, in the kingdom, it's secure. But then sometimes you just walk out and get beat, beat up and down the body and, you know, mentally, spiritually, and just suffering. Well, one of the things that when you see this, you can be part of the Israelite. You can be a part of that encampment, leave the encampment, and go away from the safety of the encampment there, still be an Israelite, but you're not going to get quail, and you're not going to get manna. Period. But that doesn't disqualify you as being free from bondage, just away from the encampment. That's where the sustaining stuff is. And where sustaining is for us in the New Testament church is in little places like this right here. This is your manna. This is our manna. When we come and worship the Lord Jesus Christ, when we come and we partake of the glorious singing of praises to our God, that's manna. And then there's sweet fellowship that comes along with This is how we are sustained. You take any one of us, 
and put us out there in the world and don't let us come to church for six months, you'll be different. I'll be different. Yep. It might only be a little bit, but we'll be different. But I suspect we'll also be hungry to get back to it. And I pray for to every or for everyone that has uh, that belongs in the encampment. That for whatever the reason they have walked away from the encampment, I pray that the Lord will make them hungry. That they'll want to come back to where the food is. Amen. That's been our prayer at Zion for a number of weeks now. Is that the Lord would make them hungry again for that sustaining thing. And I pray that. You will do that for yourself as well. He says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I, I, I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven. What else came down from heaven? The bread, the manna, right? He's associating those things again. He's putting them together. That that happened in Exodus 16, and for 40 years after that, that represents me. That's what Jesus is saying. Yep. And he's speaking a language that these Jews are going to understand. Why? Because they know it. They know it. When he started talking about bread from heaven, the bread of life, their memories went straight to Moses and Israel wandering in the, in the desert for 40 years. But their concept was that Moses gave us that. Jesus is saying, no, that manna came from heaven, which is God's residency, and he gave it. And I'm that bread. I came from heaven. Notice that he says, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Somebody might say to you, Well, see, that means right there, that tells you that God and Jesus, their mindsets were not exactly the same. They, Jesus thought something a little different. No, he did not. Just because he didn't say that. And he says, I'm doing the Father's will. That doesn't mean it's not his will too. You're putting something in Scripture, if that's what you think, you're putting something in Scripture that's not there. Elder J.E. Griffiths taught me that. He said, don't, don't put something in the Word of God that's not there. If it's not there, don't imply it. It's one of the reasons why I quit telling everybody that Hebrews was written by Paul. I believe that, but it doesn't identify it. I can defend why I think Paul wrote it, but... Now, I say the writer of Hebrews. If it's not there, don't put it in. Amen. So, for I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. All right? So he's coming to do God's will. What is God's will? We're going to find that out. Just wait. And here's something that I'd never noticed before. Read it. I don't know how many times, but I never really considered it or, or thought about it much. That in some way, shape, form, or fashion, in these few verses, Jesus says that I will raise him up at the last day four times. Four times. Mm -hmm. Under different situations. He's laying it out. Watch. He says, For I came down not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. Everyone that he gave, he's going to raise them up. Without the loss of one. But look, I want you to notice something. And this is why I say it's entering into God's rest. Uh, Jesus is saying, telling us how 
we enter into God's rest and not eternal glory. All right? Look at this. 39. Uh, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. That indicates that something happened before. And if you get another English translation, and there are a few out there that will have again in this verse, will raise them up again at the last day, but the majority of them, it has been my experience, and I hadn't seen them all, but they leave that out. And it's important. He says, because he's going to do something again. What's the first thing that he did when he was talking about uh, raise them up? It's the new birth. It has to be the new birth, born from above. Regeneration, however you define that, whatever word you use to define or to describe that, it's got to be. Because he says that that day, the resurrection day, is going to be just like that one when you were born again. You were alive. Now you can thirst. Now you can be thirsty. Now you can be hungry for the things of Christ. That's how you feed upon his flesh, and that's how you feed or drink upon his blood. It's from a spiritual perspective. Because without that, not going to happen. And the representation of that is the encampment in Exodus. As they dwelled. Because only the manna and the quail landed in what? The encampment. It didn't, they didn't find it floating all over the desert. They didn't find uh, the quail all over the desert. Just in that one spot. And wherever they were over the entirety of the 40 years, it was there every day except the Sabbath. Talking about the manna. Every day except the Sabbath. It followed them. There was a specific people that it followed. And that was God's chosen people. That nation. Well, brethren, today it's still doing the same thing. It's following his people. Now, we're not all grouped together. We're spread all over the world. But it's a spiritual, born-again believer. Let me, let me back that up. It's the born-again child of God. Don't even have to be a believer. Don't even have to be a believer. Because they're still Israelites. If they had left the encampment, they would still be Israelites. But they'd just be hungry and thirsty. Right? And that's the way it is today. We can be believers and trust and feast upon the things of Christ. Or we can starve. But that's not going to affect eternal glory. That affects rest. That affects entering into God's rest. Because Israel didn't go in because they did not trust God. So this has gotten me to thinking in a different way of talking to people when I've talked to people about this, the doctrines of grace. No more am I going to say, beat them up over the head you know, with, with some of our strong doctrine that they hate. What I'm going to do is re reframe that, if you will, and begin to talk about how we enter into God's rest. How we are stopped burdened how, why, we, why we can stop trying to work works of righteousness. Yeah. Do good deeds to get us into heaven. To get on the good side of God. Mm. Well, it, for me to get on the good side of God, it took God to do the work, not me. Because right. without him, I'd hate him. Yeah. That's what scripture teaches us, right? Yep. It says, but I should lose nothing but raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me. That everyone which seeth the Son and believe it on and believe on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. That's the second time he says. 
So what's the difference between that? The first one, he says, um, all which God the Father hath given him, I should not lose one of them. Now, this is a very broad statement, right? He's, he's, he's not making them very specific other than those that God gave him, all right? That not only is he going to cause them to have the new birth, but he's going to raise them from the dead at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me. Now he's telling us what God's will is. This is, And I know that God's will is broad, but this is the reason he sent his son. This is the will of God. That everyone which seeth the Son and believe on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay, so what does Paul and other writers in the New Testament oftentimes write? It is this, for it is written. Jesus quotes it, for it is written, to quote the scriptures. Now, they didn't have the New Testament, so they obviously had to be quoting the Old Testament, what we would refer to as the Old Testament, right? Right. Have to. So, Paul says that this is the theme of all of it. That we need to understand this. We need to dwell within it. We need to focus on it. We need to roll around in it. We need to absorb it. We need to consume it. And that is that Jesus Christ came into the world as a human being, as a man, as it is written. Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary and died as it is written. And that Jesus Christ was buried and rose again to life on the third day as it is written. That's what we're to believe. Yeah. That's what we're to believe. And if anything or anyone, or as, as Paul wrote, he said, I don't care if it's angels that come down and tell you that's not the case. Right. You don't believe them either. Yeah. You believe that. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that is in it, is, that's stepping into God's rest right there. Right. When you, because everything else is off of that. It feeds off of that. It shines off of that. It nourishes off of that. It quenches thirst. Because if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, may as well not be here. We'll be people most miserable, right? Why would we be here if that's the case? So the difference is in 39 and 40 when it says raise them up at the last day, it says that, that with that, you see the Son for who He is. You understand that He is the Christ, the Messiah. You understand that. And believe on Him as it is written. Because they, didn't, they, didn't, they weren't blessed to have the New Testament like we have, but they did have the oracles of God. Yes. <clears throat> it was given to them. So now he's getting a little bit more specific, and I believe that's really pointing you toward this is how you enter that rest. And believe on Him may have everlasting life. It's not might. You might get it. You have it. You'll you'll come to realize that. That's the only way that you're going to realize that you have eternal life is in Christ as it is written. Then, here's here's our people. Here's our people in 41. 
The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. You know what he just said? He said to them in the culture of the day that that bread, I am the Messiah. That's what he told them. He said, I am the Messiah. They didn't like that. No. I mean, and look. It says, and they said, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? You know, it's funny when I go places, um, people that I knew as a young person, as a teenager and child and all of that, they don't see me as a preacher. <laughs> they see me as Chris, the, the, the little boy that used to bother me and break my stuff. That's, that's the way they see me. But that's okay. You know, and my, and my brothers, they don't treat me like I'm a priest. Not that that means anything. Not that we should be treated special because we're sinners just like everybody else. But people that haven't known me but a few years, they treat me differently than others. You know, they might let a curse word out and they go, oh, sorry, preacher. <laughs> yeah. Don't apologize to me. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's him, not me. I'm just a sinner like everybody else. But my point is, is that things, don't we know who this guy's daddy is? Wasn't he that little kid that ran away from his parents when he was 12? And they, he was gone for three days? Gone for a day? Then they found him talking to the important people? How dare that young punk? The point is, they thought they knew who he was. But they did not. And they said, Is not this the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he said, I came down from heaven? See, they're questioning that. You do not question who Jesus is. Amen. Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. Amen. Period. Don't let anybody cause you to even get close to questioning that. I don't care who they are, where they're from, what they believe, I don't care. Because that's the central theme of the 66 books yeah. of what we call the Bible, yeah. is that he is the son of the living God. He is who he is. Okay. Um, and they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know how is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Quit arguing. Murmur not among yourselves. Can you see some people? I, I think I could picture in my mind that this just happening, and you have these, these people that basically believe the same thing. They're talking to each other. Did you hear what he just said? I don't buy it. I do. I mean, look at what he's done. I don't know about that. And then start to have a passionate discussion for lack of a better way of saying it. And then 44 hits. One of the clearest verses in scripture about who God's people are. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. More specific, he says there's not a person that's ever lived or ever will live that can come to me 
unless God draws that person to me. And what does Jesus do? That person that God draws to him, he will raise them up at the last day. Not maybe. Not if they do some work of righteousness. Not if they confess his name. Not if they get baptized. But if God draws them to Jesus, whether they know anything about him or not, by what we would understand as knowledge, whether they ever read the Bible or not, whether they ever understood the things that we've been blessed to understand, he's going to raise them up at the last day. Amen. Period. Yep. How else do you get that heaven's going to be occupied by people from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue? Wow. Because there have been nations, kindred, tribe, and, tongue, uh, and, and, and tongues that's disappeared from the face of the earth. And never heard the name Jesus. That's, right. That's how they get there. That's how the infant that dies in the womb gets to heaven. Is because God draws them to Jesus and raises them up Amen. at the last day. Amen. That's a promise. It's not maybe. That's a promise. It's, it falls in the same category as the previous two, raise them up at the last day. It's the same group of people, in fact. For it is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. Who's the teacher in this verse? It's God. God is the teacher. It's no longer the rabbi or the Pharisee or the preacher. It's God. I think it looks remarkably like when Jesus introduced himself to Paul, yeah. Saul, on the road to Damascus. What would thou have me do, Lord? Instant recognition. I think, and this is exactly the same thing, because in, in, the, in the days of the Old Testament, it, it is instructed to them that they are to take all of this information that they're learning about the oracles of God, and they are to verbally pass it down from generation to generation. They're to tell their children about it, and their children are to tell their children, and so on, it goes down the line. And the Jewish family does that in a wonderful way even today. We, in certain ways, should be a lot more Jewish. Because family, in general, in a Jewish household, are tight. My wife works with a lady who is Jewish, born Jewish, lives in Jacksonville, Florida. She's from Michigan. Remember a couple of weeks ago, the, the, the Jewish lady who was killed, murdered up in Michigan outside of uh, some center that was, it was a Jewish center or something. I don't remember the exact details. This was that woman's cousin. She got on a plane and flew to Michigan for the funeral. She didn't say, that's a little too far, I'll send a card. That's how tight the family is. And that wasn't the immediate family, that was a cousin. Rabbit trail. Sorry I do this from time to time. A <laughs> um, couple of weeks back, 
under the current events, I'm not going to go into any detail about the current events, but the, the synagogue in Brunswick, Georgia, uh, declared or, or invited uh, the community to come and, and uh, uh, be a part of the Jewish service of, of prayer for peace with the thing and the stuff with the Hamas and Israel broke out. My wife and I and a couple other folks from church went. Beautiful, solemn service. I've been to a few Passovers, and I've always enjoyed the, 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 the digging in behind the culture of things. I've always enjoyed that. Now, there was a lot of Hebrew spoken there, and I didn't understand a word. <laughs> but it was beautiful. But here's something that took me off guard. I was not expecting in Brunswick, Georgia. That when we left that service, walking out the door and walking to our vehicle, there were two police cars with their lights flashing sitting in front of the building. Why? To make sure that nobody blew up that location or attacked anybody at that location. See, one of the things about most of us, we don't know what it's like to wake up in the morning and say, is somebody going to harm me today because I am Jewish? Right. We, don't, we don't get that. We don't. And, and here's what drove that home. The, the, the rabbi had uh, COVID. So the rabbi, she was not able to be there. That's another discussion. <laughs> That's another discussion, but just go with me. She, she had COVID and her daughter had COVID. COVID, her daughter's eight. And in front of the synagogue, there is a sign in a parking spot reserved for rabbi. She pulls in. She's telling this story. The rabbi is telling this story on camera. She pulls in, and her daughter turns to her and says, we can't park here, Mom. Why? Because everybody will know we're Jewish. An eight-year-old that has to have the awareness or has the awareness that something, some harm could happen to them because they are Jewish. That's awful. We'll get off the rabbit trail. Just thought I'd share that with you. Give you a little something to think about. <clears throat> Other than this, for later. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up again, at the, or raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and the uh, that they should all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. So when you learn of the Father, that means he's introduced himself to you. He's the one who taught you, whether you know the name is Jesus or you know the prophets of the Old Testament or if you've ever heard of Paul or Peter or John or James or any of the others. Barnabas, anybody. Chris Folsom whether you heard any, anybody. God introduced himself to you and he taught you who you are, who, who you are in him or in Christ, I should say. <clears throat> he says, they will come to me. We will come to you. We learn of the Father. We're going to come to you. There's no difference from, from that statement and no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. There's no difference in that. Those are the same. It's the same group of people. It's like when you go down in Romans Romans 8, for whom he did foreknow. There's no difference between the foreknown and the glorified. Amen. They're the same. 
These are the same. No difference. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God, he has seen the Father. He said, you ain't seen God. He said, I have. Because that's where I came from. Then he says, I am that bread of life. Not the bread, not the bread of life. He says, I am that bread that he's referencing in the, from the wilderness. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. And you think Moses gave it to you and they're dead. All of them. Every one of them. Every one of them that ate manna in the desert are dead today. Is what Jesus said. Every one of them. He says, that's not that bread. I am that bread. Is what he's conveying. That's the message. I am the sustainer of life. That that sustains God's people comes down from heaven. Jesus. The sustainer. And he says, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. Here we go again. Did he really mean that we needed to eat him, his flesh, and drink his blood? No. But it is to believe him. Believe who he is. And don't waver from it. It's not eternal life that he's promising. It's eternal life that he's given already to his people, all those that God gave him. And he will raise them up at the last day. All of those, it's how we enter into God's rest. It's how we get there and no longer have the pressures of this world on us. Now, it's not to say that we're not going to have pressures in our day-to-day -day life. We absolutely are. But to be concerned about how I get to heaven, that's taken care of, brother. Amen. And the promises of God, he fulfilled. Amen. He took them right to the border, and they went, no, we don't want to go. Because they saw with their eyes. We need to learn the same thing. Is when the Lord leads us in a direction, we need to stop necessarily looking with our eyes to see what, is, what the hindrances are. But we need to look like, hey, the house is already there. It's got a garden there. I ain't got to plant a garden. And the, the vineyard, we're going to have wine early. That's the way we need to be looking at it. But this old nature hates entering into God's rest. Because this old nature that I have, that I wrestle with every day, I want to do something. And as much as I want to serve God, it seems the more I don't. Mm -hmm. now you say, well, you're a preacher. It ought to come easy. <laughs> okay. All right. Let me throw this one out there to you. Every preacher in the room would know exactly what I'm talking about. You got a member of your congregation that's doing wrong, and you got to sit them down and tell them they're doing wrong. You want that? Who wants to do that? I don't want to do it. Buddy Abernathy said one time that he had to go have a disciplinary conversation with a member of one of the churches that he was pastoring, and he drove by the driveway to their house ten times <laughs> because he didn't want 
to go in. I get it. I get it. We're just human beings. That's all. Sinners. Saved by grace, just like everybody else. I pray that you'll take this and you'll, uh, and I didn't get but about halfway where I needed to go today, or wanted to go. But I hope it complements your Bible study that you've been having, uh, out of numbers, at least some. And I hope it gives you another, another perspective on when you're talking to somebody that doesn't believe the way that you believe, that instead of trying to say, listen, you don't have to accept Jesus, because that's what they've been taught all their life. What you have to show them, what we have to show them, I think, is a, is a very positive approach, is, as it is written, that Jesus Christ came into this world as a man, as it's written in Scripture. That Jesus Christ, he went to the cross and he died on the cross, as Scripture foretold. And that on the third day, he died, and on the third day, he rose from the grave. He rose from that tomb on the third day, as the Word of God says. And then when you begin to see him for who he is, believe it. That means, that's an evidence that you will be raised on the last day by him that you have been drawn to Jesus by the Almighty God. May God bless you is my prayer. Amen. Hearty amen uh, to that. Y'all saying good morning. It's not over. We're going to have a taste of spiritual food. We'll have a taste of natural food. And then as many as y'all are able to, please stick around. And we'll have another round uh, this afternoon. Um, I'd like to just close just, just in the song of worship. I'm in 556, which is Hallelujah. Um, we're here praising that great God. And our wonderful Lord and Savior, um, His truth that He's brought before us. I want you to be chewing on that as we as we sing this song. Um, we do like to try and go up a half a step or a quarter step between each verses. So if I change the pitch on you, don't be disturbed. Just kind of quarter step, quarter step. Limp along. We'll see whatever I do. <laughs> That's that song. Song and ain't my my real strength here. Um, so I want you to stand and sing the five fifty six. Hallelujah. We'll do a fifth verse of just hallelujah and repeat the very last portion portion as well. Five pieces.
And Lord, we know that there are many that are on our individual prayer list at home, many on our, on our minds now, Lord, that need you in a special way. But as a great physician, we pray that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and everything in our lives, Lord, because we know that you're in control. Bless us once again, Lord, and bless this man as he comes to speak before us. Open our ears and our hearts that we might hear and understand a portion of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brothers, <coughs> make yourself at home. Well, good afternoon. Good afternoon. You know, it's always a challenge to be the one to be in the afternoon service, so I've got to keep everybody awake, right? Well, Lord to be our helper, we'll we'll have a blessed time this morning, uh, this afternoon. So I appreciate your prayers and I appreciate the prayers gone before. And you know, I've just enjoyed myself this weekend. You know, the first time I've been here, and uh, I just hope it won't be the last. Amen. I had a few thoughts on my mind, um, especially this past week, and. If we go to Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, verse 16, I just want to read that one verse and get one thing out of that verse real quick. Galatians chapter 6, verse 16 says, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. Mm -hmm. The Israel of God. You know, it seems like everything's been kicking off over in Israel. It's gotten a lot of people talking about Israel here lately. Yeah. And there's a lot of lot of people worried about this, what's going on. And I hear the, the slogan, pray for Israel all the time. Well, we do need to be praying for Israel. There's a lot of people in harm's way over there. There's bad things happening over in that region of the country, of the world. But as far as that physical place of Israel, the bounds that are marked off of the the country of Israel, is there any significance now to that kingdom or that country? Not really, except that there are God's children there. Mm -hmm. There's God's children in every nation, kindred, tongue, tribe, and people, right? I appreciate so much what had gone before this morning. Brother Chris brought before us. He laid a good foundation. I don't have to go through and, you know, just kind of punch through all this about the being born again, the child of God, and who he is, and that, that kind of stuff, because what we're trying to talk about right now is the Israel of God. Mm-hmm. The Israel of God. Paul's writing to the Galatians, and he wrote in uh, verse 15, go back up one verse, it says, For in Christ... That's where it is, right? In Christ. He says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. A new creature. We realize that through the new birth that we have been made a new creature. Some people don't like to think about ourselves as being a creature. (laughs) Well, I got news for you. He is the creator. I am the creature. But I also like to think about over Romans chapter 8 where it says that nor any other creature can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. I love to hold on to those truths. And Friday night we heard about the promises of God and we have the promises of God and we know that we're the children of God. We're children of the King. So right now he says the Israel of God. 
so, so often times I hear people talk about, well, you know, Israel over there, we need to be praying for that because that's God's country. Well, all countries are God's country. He made the world. It's all his. We're just borrowing it for a little while. We're pilgrims. We're just going through. But the Israel of God. I love to think about that phrase, the Israel of God. Now, Old Testament Israel, something miraculous had to happen. Something miraculous had to happen for that Israel to come about. God had promised Abraham a child. God had promised, we heard about the promises, God had promised Abraham a child. And we know that Abraham and Sarah, I guess they just got kind of tired of waiting around. They tried to help God along, right? Boy, I tell you, sometimes we just need to stop trying to help God. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need my help. He's never needed my help to do anything. But they had an Ishmael. But that promise was not for Ishmael. You remember when they went up to the mountain? Abraham, being by faith, he believed in God and believed God said what he said and what meant what he meant. And he took Isaac. And he was going to offer him as a burnt offering to the Lord. Now what was about to uh, happen up there on that mountain? That was only going to apply to Isaac. It was only going to apply for Isaac because God told Abraham, Abraham, take thine son, thine only son. Well, Abraham had two sons, yes, but there was only one promised child. Mm -hmm. Only one promised. And what was going to expire off that mount was only going to apply to Isaac and his seed. Well, we know that Isaac... um, well, don't leave the mountain too far because Abraham didn't have to kill Isaac. Right. He didn't have to go through with that because the angel of the Lord stopped him and he looked behind and there was a ram caught in the thicket. And I love to think about that. That ram was caught. Abraham didn't have to try to run fast and get to catch that thing and wrap it around. No, it was caught. Why? Because of the determinate counsel of God, Jesus Christ, coming to die upon the cross as our sacrifice, coming to that. He was the only one, the only fit sacrifice, bound by that. You remember in the garden he prayed, Lord, if it be possible, Jesus wasn't trying to get out of anything because he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Mm -hmm. But we see that Abraham saw that ram was caught in the thicket. So, So Isaac was passed over, did not have to go and be sacrificed. Something took his place. We know that Isaac had two children, had Jacob and Esau. Well, I guess Esau and Jacob, right? (laughs) (laughs) But then Jacob was blessed with 12 sons. And then Jacob's name was later called Israel. Now, that's Old Testament Israel. God had made a covenant with those people. Uh, We don't have time to just go through every single uh, verse that talks about God had given Israel a covenant with them, and then he gave them a law through Moses to give them a law so they could do. And uh, a lot of people talk about why is Israel, that place over there, why is there no significance anymore? Well, because of the new covenant. Mm -hmm. 
the old covenant, and uh, there's some real quick. Friend. I had to write these down. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not one that can recall every single scripture I've ever read. You know, some people say they got a uh, photographic memory. Well, if we do, I ran out of film a long time ago. <laughs> so in Jeremiah 31, 31, Jeremiah 31, 31 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I had made there with their fathers in the days that I took them by the hand and bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Mm -hmm. Don't we break them all the time? That they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write them on their heart and will be their God and they shall be my people. Mm -hmm. Putting his law in their inward parts and writing them upon our heart. What does that sound like? That sounds like something very familiar, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Another one is over in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36 Ezekiel 36, verse 26, writes, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Giving us a new heart. So we don't have that hard and stony heart anymore. We have that heart of flesh, the heart that can be touched, can be tender. To me, that sounds like the new birth. It sure does. That sounds like the Lord doing that miraculous work again. You know, he had to have a miraculous work for Isaac to come into the picture because we've already heard that I, Abraham and Sarah were well beyond the age to have a child. Something miraculous had to happen. Well, the same power and the same God that brought Isaac into existence to bring Israel, his chosen people, into existence is the same spirit that has to touch and tender your heart today Amen. in the new birth. And it's a miraculous thing. Mm -hmm. Too often times I hear people say, well, all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is have faith. Well, my first question is, you know, not argumentatively, but my first question is, where did the faith come from? Where does belief come from? It comes from God replacing your heart, His Spirit dwelling within you. Because that dead man, because we read that we're dead in trespasses and sins, until He quickens us together with Him. So something miraculous had to happen. And that's how we get the Israel of God. No longer is it bound by a physical boundary. No, the Israel of God is all the born-again children of God, no matter where they are, no matter what walk of life they're in, it doesn't matter. God has a people, and He has chosen to save them. And that's the reason Jesus said, I am the truth, the life, and the way. Because he is. He's the only way. Mm -hmm. You know, these other people uh, that, you know, and again, I'm not trying to be too critical. You know, there's still, there's a lot of people by the grace of God, and I would be the same condition. 
Unless for the grace of God, I would be in the same condition. But too often times they try to say that, you know, they're just misguided in certain things. And um, they'll just say that, uh, well, that thought left me. So <laughs> Maybe it'll come back around. But anyway, the Israel of God, we have the new covenant and the new birth within us. I'm sure if y'all preach, brother, never had that happen to you before, right? <laughs> so, it'll get, it get worse, yeah. <laughs> so I'm in good company, I reckon. So. <laughs> but the Israel of God, we've heard, like I said, I'm not trying to, I, I don't have to spend too much time on laying the groundwork on born again, child of God. But I do want to go to John chapter 3 real quick and just read a few verses. John chapter 3, remember this is when Nicodemus came to Jesus. Nicodemus, he was a learned one. He was one of the Pharisees. But he said, uh, and there was a man in the Pharisee named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. That same came to Jesus by night. Why did he come to him by night? He didn't want anybody else to see him. <laughs> that same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He didn't say you cannot enter kingdom of God. So you cannot see it unless you be born again. Too often times we hear people talk about, well, all you have to do is believe and then you can be enter into the kingdom of God when Jesus comes back. Why do we need to wait until the Lord to come back to enter into the kingdom? The kingdom's here and now. That's why that, uh, that's the thing that uh, John the Baptist came preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus came behind him saying, repent, the kingdom is at hand. When you hear that it's at hand, that means it's right now. Yeah. We have the, the pleasure to enjoy the kingdom right now. That's why in the other language when we talk about at the end times that the Lord will deliver up the kingdom. Yeah. Deliver up the kingdom to heaven. Well, if he's got to deliver it up, that means it must be here right now. We can enjoy the kingdom. But he said, Very, very sound of the except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, or kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Answer, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Born of the flesh is flesh, and born of the Spirit is spirit. We hear about the Old Testament Jerusalem, and Old Testament Israel, excuse me, Old Testament Israel, they were a people of a common birth, the Jewish people. You know, and the Jews were very, very good at keeping records. I mean, they could trace their lineage all the way back to Abraham. Every single one of them could do it at the time. But he says, what is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So the Israel of God is the people, the born-again children of God. So yes, we are people of a common birth, born of the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. So we have a people. This is the Israel of God. 
Yes, there is a place called Israel. Yes, there are people that still uh, hold to their uh, lineage of going all the way back to Abraham. But if you'll realize that in 70 A.D., 70 A.D., the Romans came in and completely leveled Jerusalem. That temple was destroyed again. Jesus himself said not one stone will be left upon another. In, uh, in Matthew, let's see, that's Matthew 20, 24, I believe, yeah. Matthew 23, excuse me. Matthew 23, 37. Matthew 23, verse 37, real quick, says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoned them were sent upon unto thee, how oft would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed be, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And then 24, he says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came unto him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto him, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He was talking about that time that the Romans would come in and just completely wipe Jerusalem off the map. And why would that happen? Well, we know from disobedience from time to time the children of Israel were chastised and we know that uh, there was one time that uh, I can't remember which prophet was uh, it was saying, but there was no remedy. And he was allowed the Babylonians to come in and carry them away captive. They were carried away captive for 70 years. But they were blessed to come back. Why? Because we serve a long-suffering and gracious God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but in Matthew 21, verse 43, well, let's get 42 as well. Matthew 21, verse 42, Jesus said unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected the same as became become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is a marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. The kingdom of God is taken from you. He's talking to the Jewish people right there, those Pharisees, the scribes. He's talking to them. He's saying the kingdom of God is taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth fruits thereof. What nation is he talking about? What nation is he referring to? The Israel of God. Mm -hmm. Jew and Gentile alike. It's a different, it's not a physical kingdom anymore. It's not tied to those uh, uh, geological borders. It's the Israel of God, His elect family of God. Now, that being said, knowing that we are a people and the Israel of God, how should we respond? How should we live our life? Mm 
you know, as Brother Chris was, you know, this this been stuff been on my mind, and as Brother Chris was, you know, preaching this morning, I was rejoicing in it because it was just in harmony with what I was wanting to, to speak on if I had the opportunity. And I tell you, that was the thing about the, the question that kept coming to mind is because we have these promises, because we know of that we're the children of God, we're the Israel of God, we have a God in heaven, and He is so great and so gracious and so loving and so long-suffering. What should we do in the response of that knowledge? How are we to conduct ourselves? How are we to move forward with this? Are we supposed to go around on the street corner and say, I got the true church, I'm a child of God. Ha ha, y'all again. No, absolutely not. If anything, we need to be falling down on our knees and saying, thank you, Lord. Having a grateful heart, having that spirit of thanksgiving every single day, knowing that hell would be my home if it wasn't for Christ. But Jesus started telling us very early in his ministry, Matthew chapter 5, and the remainder of the time, um, I'm, I'm be brief, I know it's an afternoon service, but Matthew chapter 5, I want to start in verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Now keep in mind, we are the Israel of God. You know how Israel, Old Testament Israel, they had confidence in their God because their God would drive out their enemies before them. Their God would topple those people away and just, just wonderful deliverances. Well, guess what? We have the same God. Amen. We have the same God today. And blessed brethren, we are the Israel of God. So he says in uh, this Sermon on the Mount, the very uh, part of it, in verse 13, says, Ye, talking to the Israel of God right here, right? Mm-hmm. says, Ye are the salt of the earth. What is salt? You know, I'm not looking for a scientific definition, but you know, salt is that season that we come put on, on food a lot of times. You know, hey, I was in the Army, and I tell you, we, we used a lot of salt and hot sauce and stuff like that because we needed something with some flavor. But salt, we like to use salt, right? But it's also a preservative. It also has a preserving agent with it. So he says, ye are the salt of the earth. But then he says, but if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot of men. Well, I don't want to be good for nothing. (laughs) I've been called good for nothing a few times before, but I don't want to be good for nothing. So what should I do? I should not lose my savor. I should not lose my seasoning influence. I should gain a seasoning influence as much as possible. A preserving agent. And parents, listen up. This is very, very important. Grandparents, too, it doesn't matter. If you have a a chance or an opportunity or a privilege to be an influence over somebody, be a good one. Be a good one. And especially as us parents, this is so important, so imperative that we teach this. And not only teach it, because, you know, we can teach it until we're blue in the face, but we have to live it. Yes. We have to live it. You can teach and preach and talk until you're blue in the face, but if you don't walk the walk, if you will, nobody's going to listen to you. Be the influence. And that's what he's calling us, to be an influence 
in this world. An influence to who? The Israel of God. God's chosen people. We have a privilege to be an influence over them. And you may think that you don't have influence over anybody. But there may be somebody looking up to you. You know, that's, especially us parents, we have our children. They, they look up to us. And, you know, right now I've got, I've got young children. You know, daddy can do anything. <laughs> I can fix anything. Boy, I, I can do anything. But that one over there, she's getting to the point where she's uh, starting to realize daddy can't fix everything. <laughs> I'm not the superhero that I used to be. <laughs> but it's so imperative that I read this word. It's so important that I live this word. I want to be that good influence on her and on him and for my wife. You know, for children growing up, the young girls, they need to see their dad. They need to see their daddy. You know, daddy's got a special place in his heart for his little girls. Why is that? Because she needs to see how to treat how a man is supposed to treat a woman. Yeah. He needs to, she needs to see that. Amen. So when she's growing up, she can start seeing some of those characteristics in her future husband. A good man. A godly man. Sometimes I feel like I've fallen flat on my face in an utter failure. But God is gracious. I can get up and try again. And also for the little boys, they need to see how a man is supposed to treat a woman because they need to grow up and they need to be those good husbands, those good leaders, those good father figures. I tell you, all the garbage that's going on right now is just an outright attack on the family. And that's how they're going to get to it. If they can cripple the family, the church won't be far behind. Now, I believe... That when the Lord comes back, there'll be somebody meeting in His name. Will it be here? Will it be at my home church? Will it even be in the United States of America? It's important. It's imperative that we live this word. So be are the salt of the earth, of the earth. Verse 14, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hid. You know, that's very true. <laughs> I mean, it's the word of God, so obviously it's true, right? Come on. Amen. Everybody, come on, wake up. Yes, it's very true. Because, you know, you can be driving at night and you see that dome of light or whatever. There's, there's a lot of light over there. It can, you can't hide that. But it says, ye are a, a light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hid. I tell you, if this was church was being, you know, shining forth their light as much as possible, going out into the community, this is going to be a light that cannot be hid. Yeah. And he says, uh, verse 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Why would you do that? That makes no sense. Putting it under a bushel, you don't want to hide your light. No. He says, neither do men put a, uh, a light on a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and give it light to all that are in the house. Fathers, that's us. We need to be lifting that candle up. We need to be letting our light shine so we can be a benefit to our house. We can be a benefit to our house. Maybe we can be like Joshua. 
You remember Joshua? That good faithful brother. He was one of the 12, uh, 12 spies that went over. And he was one of the ones, you know, him and Caleb, gave the good report. But even in his farewell address, he said, Choose you this day whom thou wilt serve. You know, that's a choice we have to make every single day. Yep. Choose you this day whom thou wilt serve. Are you going to serve me? Or are you going to serve God? And it's so imperative that our families remember this. That as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why? Because we're the Israel of God. We're the children of the King. Remember that. I don't care if you've come from the poorest family on the planet, brothers and sisters, you have an inheritance in heaven. And not only that, you know, we, we can go spider web off that, but he says we're heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs now. Help me out here, brother. That's a legal term. That's not saying we've got one sixteenth billionth of heaven. No. What's his is all of ours. Joint heirs with Christ. The Israel of God. So verse 16. He says, let your light so shine. He didn't say let it flicker. He didn't say let it bleep. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Whoa, good works? Hey, we're primitive Baptists. We don't believe in works. <laughs> Go over to Ephesians and read that we're created in Him unto good works. This is things that we need to be doing. Yes. And that's one of the best ways to let your light shine is by doing those good works. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What are we to do? We're to let our light shine whenever possible. We're to be a seasoning influence on one another. We're trying to do as best we possibly can keep our nose in this book. Read this book. There is no other book on the planet like this. This is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. Amen. We can go to 2 Timothy 3.16. You know, everybody loves John 3.16. I love, I love it too. <laughs> but I love 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's the inspired Word of God. Mm. And I like verse 17. You know, sometimes you can get in trouble by trying to quote something that you know forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. You need to know how to do these good works. Read this book. You want to know how to let your light shine? Read this book. You want to know how to be more faithful husband, father, or wife, or whatever? Read this book. Yes. It's important. And that's what we need to be passing down to our children. Mom and Daddy hold this word in high regards. This is important to us. Because if they see that just not important to you, it's going to be less important to them. And I tell you, it only takes four generations. The first generation lets it slack. 
not holding it accountable, not saying that it's very important. The second generation is going to think less of it and not care that much of it. The third generation comes around, they may not even have a clue what it is and may only come to church maybe on Christmas or Easter or maybe Mother's Day. By the fourth generation, the church is gone. It's closing its doors because nobody's there to hold the candle anymore. Nobody's there to hold this law dear. Now, does that mean that God can't interject and overrule and cause a revival? No, He can. But I tell you what, that old phrase about if there'll be a revival, let it start in me. Each one of us needs to have that heart of desire to let it start with me. We're the Israel of God. Israel, Old Testament Israel, got in trouble a couple of times because they took great stock and because they were of Abraham's seed. Remember that time they were got whooped up in battle and they said, let us go fetch the ark for it will save us. Brothers and sisters, we're the Israel of God. We need to remember where our help comes from and where our hope lies. Mm -hmm. And by remembering these things, it'll help us and we can more boldly go to that throne of grace. Not arrogantly, but confidently. Confidently, boldly go to that throne of grace and say, thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. May the Lord bless you. Amen.